everyone, welcome to another episode of Opposite React. It is episode 128 on August 10th, 2022. My name is Sarah, the cast name is Molly, and here is Tyler. You're not Tyler, you're Momo. <laughs> Jeez. She, she's the co-star at this point, I'm, I'm just along for the ride. We know that already, but she can't speak about directors to us today, so. What's up, Tyler? You have so much new stuff going on in your life. Do I? You have new Apex and new MLB stuff. Uh, yeah, the, the new MLB stuff isn't as large yet. There's more stuff coming later this week. Well, starting tomorrow, because tomorrow they're doing that, um, like IRL, they're doing that um, Field of Dreams game again. Oh, right. So once that comes out, after that game's over tomorrow, they'll drop some new, more content for that. And then, uh, yeah, it's really weird the way they're doing it right now. Like, the... Um, yeah, the new program started yesterday for MLB The Show, but it's only on. It's only a 10-day program, so from the 9th to the 19th, and then they're going to drop another two-week program, I believe, after that. So, yeah, they're spacing, the way they're spacing things out is a little weird right now, but... Do you think we're at the point of the game cycle where basically it's all diehards? Pretty much, uh, especially because some of the um, community is going to transition over to Madden when that comes out soon. Ah, uh, yeah. If it's not already out, I can't remember when Madden comes out. I don't think so. It's out soon. Uh, people are really hyped for that one this year. I guess, I don't know, apparently this year there's some Madden changes that seem promising, so it might bring some people back. So they try to but, say every year. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, it'll just be the diehards soon sticking around for MLB. But how was the new Apex season then? Um, so far, so good. Again, it's... So I'm out for a day. I played, I don't know, like 20 matches yesterday. Uh, it's nice to have King's Canyon map back. Mm. You know, the OG, well, not the actual OG map, but the OG design, I guess you can okay. call it. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, not much has changed. Um, yeah, I got to play the new Legend a bit, which is pretty cool. Sniper. Um, less Valkyries in the world? I noticed less yesterday, yes. But again, that's, yeah, everybody wants to play with the shiny new toys. Everybody wants to be mm. the new girl yesterday. And uh, I'm sure... Um, Maybe it just has to do with this map too. Like I'm sure once the uh, like when when you when you play on that storm point map, you pretty much still have to use a Valkyrie to get around because that map is so huge. Okay. So she still she'll still have her uses. But fun so far. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's. I I told you earlier. I saw a stat that said that yesterday they had the highest number ever of um, con- concurrent players on Steam since since the game launched three years ago. That's so crazy to me. Yeah. So it's still going strong. Where, 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 you know, Call of Duty's obviously fallen off a cliff, kind of. Yeah. Um, like Warzone, I mean. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure nobody's playing Battlefield anymore, so, like, what... I mean, yeah, Fortnite, obviously, is still as strong as ever. PUBG still has its own community going. Mm-hmm. There's a couple other BRs that have popped up, but, yeah, Apex is still kind of the king right now, I That's think. That's crazy, yeah. but awesome. Yeah. And you've been there since day one. Hmm. Who are you? Anything? What's new with you? I'm still just playing Xenoblade... Still watching Kenny vs. Benny. Nothing new. Living the life. Um, a couple of new things I guess I can talk about that I've watched. Uh, I went to the movies last Saturday. Movie theater. That was the first time in a while. What was the last time I saw I guess was Top Gun the last time? I would think Top Gun. It was probably a good month, month or two before between theaters. Yeah, so I went to the theaters on Saturday to see Bullet Train. That's a new... Um, it's, like, it's got an ensemble cast, but you know Brad Pitt headlines it. Lots of other good actors in there too. Directed by David Leach, he directed. Uh, it says he made his directorial debut with the first John Wick film with his friend Chad Stahelski, although only Stahelski was credited for some reason. He also, but then David also then directed Atomic Blonde. That was that Charlize yeah. Theron one. Uh, he did Deadpool two, and then he directed that Hobbs and Shaw, 
I never oh, saw the that one, one. Nobody wanted to see. Well, I don't. I wouldn't say that. Uh, there was hype for it, but it didn't turn out like people expected. But mm-hmm. he does. He does good action films. So anyways, he, he has. He has a good eye for it, and that really. And this film really, um, really impressed me. I went in with kind of moderately high expectations because the trailer looked great to me. I love the cast. I, I like the director behind it. I thought it was like a fun film, and um, yeah, it was actually the, the plot really surprised me a lot more than I thought it would. Judging from the trailers, there wasn't really as much action as you would expect, but. What is there is, is really good. and the, the, But the cast carried it. Like Brad Pitt was his usual charismatic self. And it's funny seeing him play an assassin who's a pacifist. Like that's his whole role. Is he's trying not to kill. He doesn't yeah. want to kill people. Because the whole movie talks about how he's, he goes through therapy and he's trying to be mm. nonviolent. So there's a lot of funny action sequences where he's just trying to not kill people, but he still accidentally kills people. <laughs> um, so anyways, but yeah, the... Um, I don't like to spoil anything. Obviously, this movie just came out. I really think you need to see it fresh without any too much information going into it. But mm-hmm. I will just say, one of the things that sold me on... I was already going to see it anyways, but when I saw some reviews on it, and the reviews were mixed. It was almost like 50-50, the reviews. But the positive reviews that I saw, more than one person um, whose opinion I value compared it uh, favorably to Smoke and Aces. Yo. Which is one of my, my favorite films. See. Like, if, if you told me, it's, if someone said it's Smoke and Aces on a train with this cast, I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm, all, full. <laughs> I'm all in. And my mom, I saw my mom, she loved it too. Unfortunately, we saw it in a really, it was, it was like four o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, but there's only like eight people in the theater, which was, I'm like, the only thing I can hope is that people are still seeing Top Gun. I'll accept that. Mm, there's only one question I want an answer to. Mm. What does Brad Pitt eat? <laughs> uh, what does he eat? I don't think he eats that much. He does definitely eat in this one. I can recall a few scenes, but I don't think he eats that much. Okay. Is he... Yeah. And, you know, and then I never know if he just, like, sort of improvs it into the scene. There's one scene where he uh, he kills somebody on the train, and it's in, like, the snack portion of the okay. train, like, where the snack car is. So he kills someone, and he kind of, like, goes behind the bar to grab a drink, like a whiskey or something. And then he's like, oh, he grabs, some, like, some peanuts or something. He starts eating <laughs> that while he's like, staring at this dead body. And I'm like, was that in the script, or did you just do that because you're Brad Pitt but. <laughs> they probably put the peanuts there knowing he would do that anyway. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no yeah really good film I and again, I, don't, I don't really understand the negative reviews either like I don't know what you expect from a film like this like if you go in with a negative mindset then yeah I guess I can see why you hate it but if you just go in for the fun and again I don't mean that it's not like a Michael Bay film where it's so dumb you just turn off your brain and enjoy the action like mm. it's, it is a smart film and you have to pay attention to the plot because there are a lot of characters and they really do a nice job tying everything up in the last half hour there's a lot of intersecting plot lines and flashbacks and stuff like that kind of like with smoke and aces so do you feel that top gun kind of set the bar so high for this summer that's just so hard for any other movie to reach well yes and no i mean yeah top gun is you were either super hyped going into top gun like i was or you were kind of on the fence and then blown away by top gun because of how good it was like i don't know i don't think people really expected it to be as good as it was yeah but yeah, um, Bullet Train is really good. And then on another note, I watched a movie the other two days ago on uh, Amazon Prime that came out last week, and uh, it's called Thirteen Lives. Okay. And that's the one that's it's, uh, based on a true story of the um, I think it was in 2018. Oh. Oh, uh, 2017, 2018. I can't remember the year. Sorry. When the um, those um, thirteen teenage boys in Thailand were trapped in that cave, mm-hmm. the cave flooded in, and uh, they couldn't get out in the government and, and the you know military and everybody's trying to get them out but it's just the the logistics of the and i remember obviously hearing about the story at the time mm-hmm. and obviously hearing about the the rescue i mean it's not much of a spoiler if you look at the thing up you'll i mean the movie's called 13 lives it's not called 13 deaths <laughs> so i'm sure you'd expect the outcome what happens here there it is a, it's a rescue operation but uh so it's, it's actually it's directed by ron howard oh um 
and he he does a really good job he doesn't obviously he doesn't treat this as like a flashy like da vinci code type he's not being all dramatic with his camera and stuff it's a very straightforward it's almost like half documentary half i'm sure some things in the film might have been fictionalized or the drama might have been enhanced a bit right but but uh, but really good actors too he had they got vigo mortensen and colin farrell joel edgerton um because there was like obviously the movie takes place in thailand but Colin Farrell and, and uh, Viggo Mortensen, they play their characters in real life were like British. Um, well, I think one of them was an, one of them was a retired fireman. The fireman, the other one was a like an IT consultant, but they both had experience in cave diving. Oh. So they re- they respond to the call. The government, the Thailand government, basically say anybody from any country can come help us if you have expertise. Mm. So because these guys were experienced in cave diving, and the the Navy SEALs in Thailand were really more experienced for just dive rescues in the ocean, not right. necessarily for because with the caves, you know, it's very. And Howard does a great job filming it to show how treacherous not only because of the like literally it, they do a good job they show it sort of like a chart like almost like when you see a map of the cave and they, they use like colored lines to outline the different routes through the cave and stuff and um to get from the entrance of the cave to where the boys were trapped it took six and a half hours to swim there Jeez. because it's like i don't know what it was it was something like four thousand meters but and you know you think of four thousand meters that doesn't sound that that hard if you're yeah if you're going a straight line but in this case there they have to wind through mm. so many like turns and, and every turn you got you got the because the water rose so high in the cave you're basically swimming under the stalactites oh you gotta and, like dodge and, them all yeah and they did a good job showing like how because obviously you had to go so that's why it took so long you had to go slow through these narrow turns and the problem is too is the the water wasn't coming into the cave from underground it was coming from over it's the top it's a mountain that leads into a cave so this was in the middle of the monsoon season so the monsoon is just constantly pouring water into this cave and the water levels are rising and the currents are, are strong so they did a good job showing like how every time these guys would go in and out of the cave because the first few times they went in they had to just go in to kind of scout it and see if they could even get to the boys and when they found out they could then they had to figure out the logistics of how do we get these 13 teenage boys who obviously are at this point are malnourished and they haven't eaten it. Well, they were able to bring them food after like 10 days or so, but for a long time, they were very malnourished and weak. But um, even still, like, how do you bring these boys who have probably no experience swimming, obviously at this depth, yes. to to get them through a cave after six hours, right? So yeah, the, the movie was really, really impressive. And um, I'm glad I, I watched it because I said, I, um, you know, if you saw the thing on the news four or five years ago when it happened, you'd think, oh, that's like, you know, the rescue, that's that's cool. And I'm not sure how much the news went in the depth of stuff like this or a lot of this information came about after the fact. Because mm-hmm. obviously they would have interviewed people and they would have explained the logistics of the operation. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's on Amazon Prime if you want to watch it. It's really good, really good film. Sounds good. Yeah. You watched one more film too. Um, okay, well, I, I want to get into the main topic here. But anyways, yeah, one more thing. Um, yeah, actually, I'm surprised I, f- I forgot this one. I, just, I know I talked about so many movies last week. <laughs> this one kind of slipped my mind. But uh Another impressive film that I watched on on the weekend was the new Predator film, which came out on Disney Plus in Canada at least, because it's on Hulu mm. in the states. But it's called Prey, like P R E Y. Um, yeah, and it's a I guess you'd call it like a Predator origin story because this takes place in like the late seventeen. Like the other Predator films take place in like the nineteen eighties, nineteen nineties, present day. This takes place in like the late seventeen hundreds and it involves uh, like a Comanche tribe in in the U S. and um, so yeah, it's like you see the the movie starts with like a predator ship just kind of like dropping off. I guess the predator, it doesn't show like a, sh- a ship crash or anything. I think the predator either jumps out or gets like I don't know teleported down from the ship onto Earth. And they do a cool job in the first like half hour of the movie showing like how this predator is kind of like a rookie. Like if this is all, like this is obviously his first hunt or his first time on another planet because it shows him basically observing kind of like the. Um, hierarchy like the food tree like they show a scene where like a, a snake eats a mouse right. in the jungle 
and the predator kills the snake. And later on, he sees a, the predator sees a wolf chasing a rabbit across the field. And the wolf catches the rabbit and kills it. But then the predator kills the wolf. Right. And then later on, the predator kills a bear. So the predator, oh, like, he's, moving on he's escalating his, his yeah, he's, he's going from a snake to a wolf to a bear, and then eventually humans, right? Right. Because um, yeah, he realizes the humans. Have, I mean, with the Comanches having weapons, I mean, obviously it's you know the modern day predator films they fight them with guns, and in this film obviously it's just bows and arrows and mm. knives and stuff like that. So. But uh, the film was, was really well shot, and there's not a lot of dialogue, especially in the first hour or so of the film, because what is there is mostly subtitled, because you have Comanche tribe talking to each other, okay. and they do eventually, the main lead, Naru, her name is, she, her character's name is Naru, she, she speaks some English, so later on in the film, it does kind of transition you from the subtitles to, to a little bit of English. Um, there's not a lot of dialogue in the film overall, I would say, um, especially when the last half of the film is basically just her hunting or being hunted by the predator right mm. but yeah it was a really solid film and honestly probably one of the best probably the best predator film in my opinion since the original like with wow Schwarzenegger. that's great mm-hmm. um so you had I, a good movie week yeah really good really a good diversity of films too mm-hmm. yeah so trying to think of a topic today and i guess at this point we're 15 minutes into the podcast now at this point i'm going <laughs> to mention i'm going to talk about movies for the rest of the podcast um, I do plan to talk about sports and video games again at some point in the future. It's just, you know, I, I don't want to make up a topic that doesn't have a lot of... Not much going on in sports right yeah, now. Yeah, like, like it, it's a weird time right now. Like, obviously, we'll talk about NFL soon once that starts up, and video game stuff is gonna, we'll pick up, like, obviously, later in the year. But, you know, for now, so, so again, hopefully, if you like listening to me talk about films, you'll enjoy it the next 20 minutes or so. If you don't like films, then maybe at this point you tune out till next week. But, um, yeah, um, I, I do have a... The reason I kind of chose today's topic as well though i I haven't i haven't done one of these specific um segments in a while i think where i speak about a specific director like about their um their body of work so the director specifically that i want to talk about today his name is tony scott that sounds familiar right i figured you'd recognize the name from something and most maybe listeners might know the name as well um he uh he unfortunately is no longer around and that's part of the reason i wanted to talk about like retired no, he passed away. Okay. Uh, he he actually died. Next week will be his 10 year, tenth year anniversary of his death. Hmm. Died August twenty twelve. So, um, and he was he was one of my favorite directors growing up. Um, his films were pretty influential to my my viewing style. Um, and I'll, I'll get into why in a minute into that. But um, I was actually surprised when I looked at his his filmography today uh his list of films that he's done he his fir- very first film was in 1983 so obviously before i was born but not obviously you're old <laughs> <laughs> uh before he passed away in 2012 the last film he actually directed was in 2010 okay. so he had a you know yeah almost a almost a 30 year oh, a lengthy career 30 year film career but in that 30 years he almost 30 years i should say he directed 16 films okay um and i've seen I mean, again, I, I at least five or six of the movies on this list are some of like my all-time favorites. Hmm. Um, but I think out of the sixteen, I've only I only haven't seen two. Either I haven't seen or don't recall them. And it's it's some of the older stuff from the eighties. Like I don't think I've ever hmm. seen his first film, which was called The Hunger in nineteen eighty-three. I didn't don't remember ever watching that one. Uh, and there's another one that came out in nineteen ninety called Revenge. It was like a Kevin Costner movie. I don't think I ever saw that one. But everything else on the list I've definitely seen at least once and many of them multiple times because, like I said, they are some of my favorite films. So I'll go down the list of films here. You tell me how many you've either heard of or have seen. I don't think you've seen too many of these, but you've probably heard of all of them. Okay. So, again, we start with The Hunger in 1983. Okay. Okay. 1986 was Top Gun. I've heard of that one. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that obviously put them on the map. Yes. Uh, That was his second movie. Yeah. Wow. 87 was Beverly Hills Cop 2. 
So he didn't do one. Right. Okay. Uh, 1990, he did two films. He did The Revenge one I mentioned before, and he did another one called Days of Thunder. Was, I've heard of Days a, of Thunder. That was a Tom Cruise one. Yeah. So well, two, he likes Tommy. Two films with Tom Cruise early on. 1991, he did The Last Boy Scout. That was a Bruce mm. Willis film. Okay. <laughs> uh, 1993, True Romance. One of my favorite films. Really? Yeah. I've never heard you talk about that in my life. Okay, we'll get into it later. Uh, <laughs> 1995, Crimson Tide. Uh-huh. 1996, The Fan. Is it about that's, sports? Yeah, that's the one. I've mentioned that before in a previous podcast. That's the one with Wesley Snipes and Robert De Niro. Okay. Where De Niro plays like a crazy fan. Oh, of, uh, right, yes. So he stalks the player. Yeah. Okay, so that's a good thriller. Uh, then we get into some of my favorites here, honestly. So 1998, Enemy of the State. Uh-huh. Will Smith one. Yeah. 2001, Spy Game. That's Brad Pitt and Robert Redford. Okay. Good, good thriller. 2004, Man on Fire. Of course. Of course. Yeah. 2005, Domino. Not one of my favorites, but that was a Kira Knightley one where she played. It was based on a true story of a bounty hunter, a female bounty hunter. Huh. Okay. I don't know that one. 2006 was Deja Vu. Uh-huh. Um, we love Denzel. Uh, 2009 was a, a remake, actually, of a, another film that obviously he didn't direct from the 70s, but it's called The Taking of Pelham 123. Mm-hmm. It's like a train robbery mm-hmm. film. That Wait, that was... Uh, don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me. John Travolta. Right. Yeah, I did it. And his last film in 2010 was Unstoppable. Oh, okay. That was about the train, the runaway train, that was, again, based on a true story. Um, so yeah, so he, out of the 16 films over his career, he did five with Denzel. So clearly yeah. a, a favorite well, he, he collaborator. He Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, Tom, yeah. Tom moved on to, I guess, technically after Tom stopped working with him, he moved on to like Mission Impossible and stuff like that. So mm. in, the, in the mid-90s, but... But yeah, like, you know, great films, and, and obviously there's a bit of a, a trend here. I'm not trying to say he does the same types of films, but they're all action thrillers. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not doing musicals, he's not doing... Um, he does like to do, uh, I guess maybe even later in his career, too, like I said, he likes to take on true stories mm-hmm. and, and adapt them. Like, Unstoppable was based on a true story. Um, uh, Domino, based on a true story. Man of Fire is actually based on a book. There's a book adaptation for that okay. one. Spy Game was based on a true story. Uh... I don't believe Enemy of the State was based on anything. I believe Top Gun was based on a true story. But to preface, going back to the one I mentioned earlier, um, because I do own it on Blu-ray, 1993, True Romance. Um, Now, obviously, I didn't watch that film in 93. I would have only been like six years old when that came out. But I remember watching it when I was in high school and being impressed by a number of things. Number one... You're a nerd. Yeah. But (laughs) number one, the the cast was amazing. Um, The film was actually... This is pretty rare. Even though, obviously, Tony Scott directed it, screenplay was actually done by Tarantino. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like but he's not counted as one of his movies. Because he didn't direct it. Right. Right. Okay. Um, but and actually, this this film was, True Romance is one of the films that actually put um, James Gandolfini on the map before oh, Sopranos. Okay. It was one of his first big roles. But it had great cast. He had uh, Christian Slater, um, Christopher Walken, Dennis Hopper. Uh, Brad Pitt had a small role in it. Um, James Gandolfini, like I mentioned. Um, a few others, I think I'm forgetting. But yeah. Uh, is it not about romance? Uh, it's it's yeah. There's a little bit of it's about romance, but why are you smirking? What? Why are you smirking? Because I don't want to sell it as like a rom. It's not a... Well, this was, don't name it true romance then. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tarantino named it. That's oh. so, and it definitely has Tarantino's dialogue stamped all over you mm. even before you saw. Like like this came out of the year before Pulp Fiction. That's I was gonna say Tarantino I feel like there's a Tarantino yeah. film close to this. So, um, Crim- uh, Crimson Tide. That was the uh, uh, the that's first a plane th- movie, isn't it? No, no, that's a submarine. Oh, yeah. the other, other. He loves, I find that he loves uh, vehicles, like trains and planes. There's two train movies and two plane movies. What was a plane movie? Oh, besides Top Gun, sorry. Um, you just said 
You just said this one was a, tri- a plane. Oh, Which no, one? I said it was a plane. You said plane. Sorry. Top Gun was a plane. He likes yeah. planes and trains and submarines. He's, he's getting all the bases. I guess you can make the train connection considering the last two films he yeah. did. Yeah. But, okay. Yeah, Crimson Tide um, was like, again, for me growing up, that was the first time like, I kind of noticed Denzel in a movie. Mm. And then I was like, oh, wow, this guy's a really good actor. And then, of course, you know, later on, you know, Man, Man of Fire is still one of my favorite movies ever. Yes. Um, and Deja Vu is really good, too. I think Deja Vu is very overlooked. It's because it's people. too confusing. <laughs> it's not that confusing. It is confusing. Uh, Enemy of the State, I think, still holds up incredibly well by today's standards. That's the thing about, I love about all of his movies. Like, even though, yeah, obviously there's some technical limitations with a few of them, like the ones that were filmed in the 80s and 90s, but, you know, he doesn't use a lot of CGI and stuff in his films. Mm-hmm. It's not like watching something from the 90s that doesn't hold up today. Like, yeah. his his plots are very... Um, Again, not not to say the plot shouldn't really matter. Cause he, he's not a screenwriter. I'm not saying he writes any of these films, but I just say the way he films he the movies are very the way he films the movies are very easy to follow. I guess with the exception for you of Deja Vu, but I find even that one they do a good job not over explaining it. It doesn't get into like Interstellar, Tenet, crazy rules. I you know, understand like... Interstellar more than I understand Deja Vu. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. But uh, and I've never seen Tenet. The biggest thing about and I want to I'm obviously drafting this off Wikipedia here, so this isn't my own words, but. Um, the thing that, that always interested me about Tony Scott's films, that's something you may not like, and, and, and I know many other people may not like his style as well, but he's very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not chaotic. His camera movements can be very jarring, and I, but I don't mean that, I don't mean that in the sense, like, when it's he's filming, quick when, cuts. It's the way, the way stuff is edited, but just the way he transitions between scenes and stuff too, he does a lot. It's hard to explain until you've seen, probably the best examples if you, is if you watch something like Enemy of the State or Man on Fire, those two specific films, which I love, something about the way he directs that just creates this energy in the film that even when something, they're, because they're both dramas for the most part until the action stuff kicks in, but even the dramatic scenes carry a lot of weight just because you're always, in, you're always invested in what's going on because, I don't know, the way he films, it just keeps you so... In the, like, like in the scene yeah like engrossed in the right. scene and so i got there's a quote here from directly from tony scott um because it says here um this one journalist from cinema blend her name's katie rich she wrote that scott had a quote trademark frenetic camera style and scott said this about it in 2009 about his style he says uh it's about energy and momentum um and that's why i make my movies very exciting um he says the true excitement comes from the actor's they give the true drama, but whatever I can do with the camera is just the icing on the cake. He's like, I want the movie to grab you. I use multiple cameras, and I only do a few takes, which the actors love. And he says, so he, you know, he's not one of these guys like David Fincher who has to do like 50 shots per scene. He's not a perfectionist kind of thing. He just sort of... Uh, but I love David Fincher's... Oh, for sure. I'm not, not, I'm not bagging on Fincher. I'm just saying like Fincher, if you read behind the scenes of Fincher's stuff, he's very thorough in his films. Yes. And there's a reason why Fincher's films are so good as well. Yes. But I'm saying his style is very subdued compared to something like Tony Scott, who's <laughs> much more chaotic. Yes. But like, I like how he also says here, and you can find this connection with most of his his films. He says, um, if you look at my body of work, there's always a dark side to my characters. They've always got a skeleton in the closet. He, so he likes to focus on, like, fear. Yeah, he's, cause he said, but he's made no horror movies. No, no, not, not that kind of fear, but just no, like, I, yeah. yeah. But I don't know. Anyways, he, even though, like I said, he had a relatively small body of work compared to most directors, um, you know, you compare him obviously to someone like Spielberg or uh, mm. even a Fincher, like, you know, the, the body of work, like, Tony didn't make a ton of films, but what he did make was all quality. Um, I don't think he made a bad film, per mm-hmm. se. I enjoyed everything of his that I've seen. Even, some, even probably my least favorite of his would have been Domino. And I think it's funny because he even admitted, I think, that <laughs> he. Uh, Stinky film? He didn't nail that one. We're, I'm trying to find the quote here from him on that one. 
I think it was his worst received film. Like on Rotten Tomatoes, and only got eighteen percent. Eighteen. I wouldn't give it that bad of a. But yeah, so it says here. It says the film was actually among Tony Scott's favorites of his, although he was very critical of it, saying, "quote mm-hmm. saying quote I didn't let the movie breathe enough. The script was great, and I got overcome by the insanity of the world I was touching. I think I effed up on that one." <laughs> <laughs> so I like that he was. I think you're more critical on things you love, though. Oh, for sure, yeah. Like you can be that. But oh well. And now the funny thing is that I mean, again, maybe. Someone, when I mentioned his name earlier, Tony Scott, you might have thought to yourself, I think I've heard of him before, but I wonder how many people know that he is the brother of Ridley Scott. Yes. Who's another great director. And Ridley's still alive. He's in his 80s now, I believe. Uh, Tony died when he was 68. But yeah, and really, and it's funny because I'd love, I'd love one day to compare their two filmographies because they were very different. Like Ridley Scott. Ridley's action, like some well, action? Well, Ridley has a much larger body of work than Tony mm-hmm. did. Because obviously he's a bit older, but he also started earlier too. Mm. I think really started directing in like the '60s. Oh. But um, like Ridley Scott is known for like epic films. Like right. he he did like the original Alien, he did Blade Runner, mm. he did Gladiator. Um, you know, and then later years he's done he's done like dramas, not so much like historical epics. You know, but he still makes great films. You know, stuff like uh, you know American Gangster. Um, uh, I mean, he's, he's done the Alien uh, sequels as well, which haven't been as well received lately, like Prometheus and Alien Covenants mm-hmm. compared to the original Alien films. But, but I have heard of all of Ridley's movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, he's, he he because he gets, I mean, he recently did The Last Duel. We watched that one, right? But, oh, yeah. But, right. So he's still making movies. Like, he's still putting out, at his age, he's still putting out great films. It's just that maybe over the last decade or two, his quality of work has gone down a bit since what he, I mean, it's, it's hard to compare. I mean, the stuff you put on the 70s, 80s, and 90s was all like, you know, landmark stuff like the original Alien film, the original Blade Runner. That stuff's going to hold up forever. Even Gladiator, for example, like and that's over twenty years old now. The Russell like, Crowe one, but it's still it's movies, still rewatchable. They make sequels of a lot of Ridley mm-hmm. movies where mm-hmm. none yeah, Tony did right. None. Mm-hmm. Well, except for Top Gun, but that was after he passed away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then they did. They did. I remember when I saw Top Gun Maverick in theaters. They do dedicate it to Tony at the end of the, oh, at the, end of the credits. Because Tony, I mean, again, that movie was in development for so long, Top Gun Maverick, that it was still in development when Tony was alive. So Tony had, wow. I'm not saying Tony was going to direct it, but he definitely had an input in the original draft okay. of what the film was going nice. to be. So, Like, was it originally thought up by him? Yeah, I'm not sure how much of the original is, like, Tony Scott's creation. Like, again, obviously, he didn't do the screenplay or anything. No. But, um, I mean, obviously, like, again, the, the original Top Gun is still incredibly watchable by today's standards. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it's credit to his directing it at an early stage of his career that he was so good mm-hmm. and that's obviously there's a, there's a talent there that would you say it's his most well-known or like biggest film well the thing is like obviously like if you say if i read out of the, all out of all the movies i read in that list everybody's heard of or seen top gun yeah but i wonder how many people actually knew that tony scott directed it yeah like, like out of the rest of his filmography i would mm-hmm. say that's the odd man out mm-hmm. but um yeah and because I, I just uh i thought my reason i want to talk about him today was because i was thinking to myself like yeah man like i really want to watch like man on fire again sometime mm. or enemy of the state but and then i was just thinking like yeah like i was like i, I knew obviously that tony had passed away a long time ago I, that's why I, like i haven't seen a new tony scott film in a long time and then when i looked it up today i was like oh yeah it was, it was almost 10 years Jeez, to the day flies crazy yeah um but yeah i really loved his films and, and still do love his films i mean i like to rewatch them all the time and i wonder how easy a lot of them are to watch now though since they're a bit older yeah not too many of them i think are on streaming like, i don't think man on fire is anywhere i was That's looking for sad. i was looking for it recently um that is a great one yeah but yeah he uh he definitely always got good performances out of denzel <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah um he will he definitely has been missed in in the film industry i i'd love to 
again, there's a chance he might have slowed down into his 70s and stopped doing as many films. Like, I'm not saying he would have done the same amount that mm-hmm. his brother did, but uh, I would have liked to have seen one couple more out of, out of Tony. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he's I great. would like to have at least seen how Maverick did and just like, mm. like, wow, this came from something we did so long ago. His first sequel. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully... Um, uh, maybe you've recognized some of the movies I mentioned on that list. Um, if you haven't, then like I said, I'm going to give a, a shout-out to a couple more that I might have kind of glossed over here. Let me just go back for a second True here. romance. The not-romance movie. <laughs> yeah, again, if you can find any of these on streaming or even like a, a Blu-ray somewhere, I mean, like I said, I've already sang the praises of Man on Fire many times. That's definitely one of my must-watches or recommendations. Um, Enemy of the State, it's a great film from 1998. I think it still holds up today. Uh, if you haven't seen that one, I'd definitely recommend it. Um, Crimson Tide from the mid-90s, another great film that I'm sure most people have heard of or even seen at some point. But, yeah, Crimson the, Skies, that's what I was thinking of with the plane. Skies, yeah. <laughs> even something like going back to the uh, 1991 The Last Boy Scout. It's a really, really fun action thriller. Um, so it was actually written, the screenplay was written by Shane Black, which would be pretty evident if you've seen any of his films before once you watch this one the dialogue like he wrote Shane Block he did the screenplay for Predator then he also did uh, the Lethal Weapon films he did uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang he did The Nice Guys recently like Russell Crowe mm. Ryan Gosling so he, he does very good he does good with like quippy dialogue especially between right. he obviously likes doing cop things like, like, like Lethal Weapon films Kiss Kiss yeah. Bang Bang The Nice Guys were all involved, revolved around cops and their partners and stuff right so in this film, like The Last Boy Scout, because like I said, it stars Bruce Willis and uh, Damon Wayans. The name you don't hear that much anymore, no. but he was pretty good back in the 90s. But Bruce Willis plays like, uh, he's basically a private investigator who was a former Secret Service agent. And he, he gets involved in a, in a murder conspiracy plot with Damon Wayans' character, who's actually a, uh, a professional football player. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, not NFL. They, they never refer to the NFL in this film, so it's just either some independent league that's made up, or it's it's just never specifically yeah, stated. So. But yeah, it's just it's just a fun act, like buddy cop action film. So it has nothing to do with Boy Scouts. Um, well, I think I, I think the movie, from what I remember, the movie is called that because Bruce Willis is referred to a few times during the movie as a quote unquote Boy Scout because, like I said, he was a, he was a, he used to be a former like by the book Secret Service agent before he got fired for something revolving around an assassination plot, and then he became, like, a disgraced PI, kind of. Mm, so this is, like, judgment. And, this, and, and it's funny, too, because this came out, like, this movie came out a couple years after Die Hard. So Bruce Willis at the time was, like, <laughs> known as a Die Hard guy, and now he's yeah. playing, like, sort of, like, this disgraced alcoholic PI character, and it was kind of a cool role for him. And he, he has a lot of great dialogue with uh, everybody in the film. It's just, it's just a cool film. And again, Tony Scott, it's mostly based on how Tony Scott directs it, but also the writing mm-hmm. and the writing is great. It's, that's, that's an underrated gem. What? I have to watch another Tony Scott film to just watch how it's made. Like I said, I think period. the two biggest examples of my, my favorite examples of his directing style would be Enemy of the State and Man on Fire. Right. Um, Domino, actually, his style became too distracting for me. Oh. I think he overdid it a bit in that one. But it's his favorite. I know. <laughs> Deja Vu, too, to some extent. I'm surprised you don't remember his style based on Deja Vu. Like, the way the camera is... I was trying to pay attention to the story too True, much to that the plot is... Made. Yeah, yeah. Like, his, his last couple of films were actually pretty restrained by his mm. standards, like taking Pelham 1, 2, 3 and Unstoppable, both the train films. Mm. But they were still chaotic. It still had his chaotic style, but they weren't as over-the-top as some of his other stuff. Did you see Unstoppable? What was that about that train that was on the tracks and couldn't stop? Right. Okay, yeah. I do remember. That. I've watched that movie. Yeah, that's on TV a lot lately. Is it? I see it on... <laughs> Like, uh, we call it Showcase or one of those other... Popped in my brain. Yeah. I remember that train that couldn't stop. Yeah. That's what it's called. Unstoppable. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's uh, 
that's why I wanted to give some give some props to Tony Scott. Like I said, he he is missed, and um, I still love watching his films nowadays. Rewatching them, and uh, too bad not more of them are available. True. I hope you guys might check out some of these or rewatch them if you've. Maybe, you know, maybe some of the ones from the 90s, you're like, yeah, yeah, I saw those like 20 years ago. I've never watched it since then. How about this? We'll pose uh, for the email topic this week. Rather than making it specifically about Tony, why don't we pose an email question and say, do you want to let me know any other, it doesn't have to be a director specifically, any other director, actor, screenwriter that has passed away. Mm. Uh, it doesn't have to be recent either. Like anybody that's, that's passed away, any of their work that you miss. Like what do you, who do you wish we got some more, James Gandolfini. More work. Yeah, exactly. James Gandolfini is a good example. But like, who, who do you wish we got some more work out of nowadays if, if they were still around? Who do you who do you like to go back and rewatch? I mean, I'm sure a lot of people would mention like Robin Williams as an example. Yes. Going back and rewatching his his work to remember him or her, sorry, whoever you like to mention. But um, yeah, so give us a shout. And the email address is? When opposites react at gmail.com. All right. I'm not sure wrap up tonight's episode. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it. I will... Uh, I'm not going to guarantee ahead of time that I'm going to do anything sports or video game related next week specifically, unless something uh, happens like in the world or something pops into my head that I think warrants a good discussion. If it ends up being movies again, so be it. So be it. <laughs> but um, I mean, to be fair, before we sort of got on this sort of rotation of these three sort of different topics we talk about, I think probably the first, I don't know, 50 or 60 episodes or so of our podcasts have just been about movies anyway right yeah <laughs> that was sort of the main topic always so it's, yeah. al- it's always going to be movie centric if there's ever going to be a split on on stuff to talk about it would probably be like i would say 60, 60 movies. yeah 60 percent movies 20 percent video games 20 percent yeah. sports yeah i think be a good fair. split i couldn't do math for a second there i was like 70 would be 30 you're, just, no. you're off your game tonight i wouldn't go play apex right now i want to <laughs> i think you are too tired mm. bedtime it's too early to go to bed no it's perfect time to go to bed it's like 9.48 Eastern time, time right to go to now. Bed. It's not perfect, perfect time to go to bed. Time. Yeah, maybe if you're like nine years old. I'd be fine with that. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everybody. We always appreciate your support. We would love to hear from you. If you want to send us an email on any topic, it doesn't be tonight's topic. It could be any topic from our previous weekly. If you're catching up on an old podcast, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, give us a shout, and we will be back at the same time next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.